0: Right. So let me ask you a question. What is God's greatest desire for your life? Is it that you conquer your sin habit? That you read the Bible in a year? Maybe it's that you share the gospel with a hundred people or are the very best and loving friend that you can possibly be. Seriously, like take a moment and write it down. What is God's greatest desire for your life? I'll give you a few seconds. You see, what you believe about God matters and what you believe God thinks about you is also equally important. It shapes your entire life. So what is God's greatest desire for your life? Well, for the first 20 years of my life, I thought God desired for me to live a life of moral perfection. I was taught that God's default stance towards me was one of judgment and displeasure. He kind of just tolerated me. He could bear my existence, but I certainly didn't bring him pleasure. And I could avoid punishment by staying on God's good side and perfectly keeping all of his laws. And as a small child, I remember living with this very real fear that God was going to severely punish me or my family for each infraction. We even believed that my grandfather had died because he was a sinner. And so as I came to understand salvation, I put it into this framework of what I knew about God. I heard that salvation was freely given, you know, we can know things in our head, but functionally, I operated as if God had said, okay, Tiffany, I gave you this huge gift of eternal life. What are you going to do with it? Prove to me that you are worthy of this gift. And friends, anytime you hear a voice asking questions of your worthiness, let me just clue you in. That is not God. And so as I came to better understand salvation and who God was, I came to this conclusion. God is not a venture capitalist. Now, yes, there are a lot of podcasts like How I Built This and binge-worthy TV shows like Becoming Anna that are all about entrepreneurs and creators and the people that financially backed them on their way to success but that is not how god works salvation is not a loan that god grants you and then expects not only repayment on but interest back on because you see when we reduce god to a venture capitalist everything is transactional between me and him and the motivator for change is fear and i think we can all acknowledge fear does shape our behavior but it doesn't actually produce long lasting deep inside out transformation what produces genuine transformation love love produces genuine transformation go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 17 through 18 this is our main scripture tonight and paul writes now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now notice some of these key words. Freedom, being transformed, comes from the Lord. Does this sound like a transactional God or like a loving God? Friends, God is love, and what God most wants for each of us, for you and I, is to be transformed by, in, and through love. God's greatest desire for your life is that you would behold Jesus and increasingly resemble him. This summer, we've been talking about what it means to cease striving, to leave behind that shame, and to walk in the fullness and the freedom of God's grace. And so with 2 Corinthians 3 as our passage tonight, we're going to unpack God's greatest desire. And so first, we behold him. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Paul tells us to contemplate the Lord's glory. And the author of Hebrews encourages us, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Why do we contemplate the Lord's glory? Why fix our eyes on him? Because he is the source of our faith. He is the sustainer of our faith, and he himself is the substance of our faith. Now, I'm a huge fan and author of Pastor Dane Ortlund, and his book, Gentle and Lonely, is one of the top five books I've ever read. Anytime he writes anything, it's already pre-ordered on Amazon. And so when I got his newest book deeper, I was just devouring every page. And he writes, Be astonished at the gracious heart of Jesus Christ, proven in his atoning work in the past, his endless intercession in the present. Receive his unutterable love for sinners and sufferers. Stop resisting. Let him draw near to you and gaze upon him. In other words, behold Jesus. Before and above all else, fix your eyes on him. Now let me ask you a question. When is the last time something brought you to awe and wonder? When is the last time that something took your breath away or brought tears to your eyes or made you just feel giddy at the sheer beauty of it all? When did you last behold something that was so perfect, so lovely that you wanted to stay in that moment forever? For me, it was three weeks ago. We were on vacation, and Jason and I were hiking in a forest in Colorado. And as we came into a clearing, I saw this beautiful alpine lake framed by mountains and trees. And tears immediately came to my eyes because it was an exact depiction of that tattoo in honor of my son, David. Everything was there the sun peeking through the clouds. The quiet water, the green pasture, and in God's specific and tender love for me, he led me to a place where heaven felt as near as my next breath. And as I stared at the mountains he created, I felt so deeply known and loved by God. And it may sound difficult to believe, but friends, this is our God. This is our Jesus. He loves you with a specific and a tender love. Sometimes he leads you to mountain clearings to overwhelm you with awe and beauty. And sometimes he comes tenderly in the night to whisper words of comfort and truth when you most need them. So is Jesus beautiful to you? Do you long to behold him? I know it's a hard question because we have reason sometimes to doubt or question. Perhaps some of you struggle to find Jesus lovely because your earthly father wasn't very loving. Perhaps you believe in God's goodness, but since the cancer diagnosis, you're not so sure anymore. Or maybe you know deep down that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but He seems far removed and distant, more like cold truth and not an actual person to have a relationship with. You see, throughout our lives, as we go through different things, we pick up beliefs and stories and experiences that shape who we believe Jesus is. But the question is not who we think Jesus is. The question is, who has Jesus revealed himself to actually be? Um, Author Dane Ortlund writes, the Christian life, our growth in Christ, is nothing other than the lifelong deconstruction of what we naturally think and assume and the reconstruction of truth through the Bible deconstruction of what we naturally think and assume and reconstruction of what we know to be true from the Bible. And it is through scripture, prayer, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that you are invited to gaze upon Jesus and to know him as he truly is. And friends, as you gaze upon the beautiful Jesus, your enjoyment and delight increases in him. And beholding him as he is, you are transformed. Which brings us to our second point. Our growth in Christ happens increasingly. We have a progressive sanctification. Notice that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, we are being transformed with an ever-increasing glory. That's present tense, ongoing work. We are not yet who we will be. And that's where the confusion creeps in. We know that we are a new identity, and so we think, I shouldn't struggle with sin anymore. I should have it perfect, but that's not the case, is it? If you look with me on the screen, there's kind of three phases or events, if you will, in the Christian life. The first step is justification. Now, this is a one-time event when you place your faith in Jesus and you are saved at that exact moment. You receive a new identity. You are a new creation. And then the next part is not an event. It's not a one-time thing. It is a process, a lifelong, ongoing process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And this is where we get to respond to God's invitation by living into that new identity. And what we look forward to is glorification, this future event when Jesus will return. All sin, pain, death, and mourning will be put away, and our new identities will be fully realized. We will dwell with God forever. And so if you're a believer, you are currently in the which phase? Sanctification. And what's challenging about this phase is it's not instant. It is a process. Now, there's a popular trend right now on TikTok called the stomp transition. And since I'm a millennial who once took an age quiz that said I was probably in my 70s, I had to Google this. I'm 36, by the way. Um, But I was 25 when I took it, and it said I was in my 70s. So... To show the passing of time, in a short clip, it goes like this. You're in one location. You lay your phone down on the ground. You pretend like you're stomping on it, which I don't know why. It's like $1,000. Why would you want to stomp on it? But anyway, you stomp, and then as you lift your foot up, ta-da, you're in a new location. And why are there transitions like snapping, stomping, and swiping? I had to practice that. Snapping, stomping, and swiping because the in-between parts are boring. No one wants to watch you drive four hours from this location to this location. It's a lot easier just to stomp your way to the new destination. But friends, growth in Christ rarely happens instantly. The growth process is ongoing, and if we're honest, sometimes it's painfully, laboriously slow. If you're working towards a promotion at work or you've ever reared a child or raised a plant, you know that it's one step forward and then like five steps backwards. You might work really hard to prepare a dazzling pitch and um, for a meeting, and then not just a few hours later, you've succumbed to workplace gossip at the water cooler, and you're like, oh, I'm better than this. Why did I do that? Or you might be patient when your toddler takes her full plate of spaghetti and throws it at the wall to make Picasso art, and you're like, I responded with patience. I'm so good. I'm growing. And then the next day, you're yelling, she's crying, the dog's licking the wall, and that did not happen to me, but you're kicking yourself because that is not the parent you want to be. As Eugene Peterson says, the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. And that's never going to be something we put on TikTok, a long obedience in the same direction. But the good news is that God supplied grace when you were justified, and he continues to supply ongoing grace as we are sanctified. The challenge, the invitation, if you will, is to receive God's ongoing grace each time we fall instead of just sitting in the shame and berating myself, I'm such a bad employee, I'm a horrible mother, I can't even keep a plant alive, will you receive that ongoing grace? Which brings us to our final point, resemble, becoming who you were created to be. God's greatest desire for your life is that you would behold Jesus and increasingly resemble him. Or as Paul puts it, to be transformed into his image. And as much as you desire to grow in Christ, God wants that even more for you. God is more committed to your growth than you are. And I don't know about you, but that takes a huge weight off me. Because I care deeply. But someone else cares more deeply and has the power to get me there. But how does that growth actually occur? What's God's role? What's my role? Well, there are three perspectives on growth in Christ, and the first is called God, then me, as in God saves me, faith saves me, and then it's up to me to do the work. And if you think about a circle, it's all me. Sanctification is all me. And this is the perspective I had growing up. God saved me, and I believed he gave me everything needed for holiness. So then it was up to me to work, work, work to achieve holiness. And as you can imagine, work, work, working towards Achieving righteousness in and of yourself produces stress, anxiety, fear, depression, and a very critical spirit of yourself and others. So friends, if you fall into this camp, can I just encourage you with something? The beauty of the gospel is that it tells you the truth of who you are before you ever change or grow. The beauty of the gospel is that it tells you who you are before you've ever done one thing to change before that little tiny seedling has even put out a little shoot. The gospel tells you what is true of yourself. You are fully loved. You are completely accepted. You are enthusiastically welcomed into God's family. That is your identity, and there is no loan payment required. If you're constantly striving to perfect yourself, The invitation is for you to repent of your self-saving efforts. Allow Jesus to meet you there. Turn and walk in faith. The Christian life is one of repenting our way forward. So point two, if the first one was all me, the second one is all God, God, not me. This is the idea of let go and let God. In the sanctification circle, it's all God. And this is what we might call the passive spiritual life. It's the idea of, I did my part. I mean, I placed my faith in Jesus, so I'm done. It's up to him. If he wants to grow me, he'll poof, make it happen. My input isn't required. Now, I doubt many of us functionally believe that because you're here. You're engaging in Christian community. You're studying God's word. You are praying. You are actively responding to God's invitation to grow in relationship with him. However, if you do struggle or tend towards passivity in your spiritual life, the invitation for you is to take seriously Jesus' command to go and bear lasting fruit. Go and bear lasting fruit. And then the final perspective is God in me. This is when you are united with Christ. If you think about the two circles, it was all me and all God, and now those two are fully overlaid. It's not God plus me. It's not half me and half God. It's the two are fully overlaid. I am with Christ. We are each fully involved in my spiritual growth. Now, because I'm a recovering perfectionist that likes details, what does that actually mean? What does God in me, sanctification, look like? Paul puts it this way. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all the others. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Do you hear it? All of me and all of God, together we, are, uh, together we are achieving my growth in Christ. Now, let's be honest. Do you need the Holy Spirit to live a moral life? You don't. There are a lot of genuinely generous, kind, and loving people in this world that are not believers. But you do need the Holy Spirit if you want to live a supernatural life. And sisters, you are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You are now one with Christ, and you are called to live into your identity as a beloved child of God. Ortland poses this question. How does the Holy Spirit actually propel interchanging Christians? The main answer is this. The Spirit changes us by making Christ beautiful, wonderful to us. The third person of the Trinity does his work by spotlighting the second person of the Trinity. How do you live into your new identity? By beholding Jesus. And as you behold the beauty of Jesus, you desire to be more like him. And as you become more like him, you desire to behold him even more. And it's this beautiful circle all empowered by the Holy Spirit of beholding Jesus and increasingly resembling him. The Holy Spirit is at work within you, God in you. Now, two of the primary ways that we behold Jesus are, no surprise, by studying God's Word and with prayer. If you think about breathing as a metaphor, the study of Scripture is like the inhale. We are ingesting God's Word, we are allowing it to saturate our being, to shape our hearts and our minds in Christ. And the exhale is prayer. We're speaking to God about what's inside of us, our hopes, our fears, our dreams, our praises, our desires. The Psalms were Israel's prayer book. And the beautiful thing is that we can pray the very words of God back to God as we're learning in our current sermon series. Breath is essential to physical life. And scripture reading and prayer are essential to growth in the Christian life. And if these two practices aren't already a part of your daily routine, there is no shame. There is an invitation, though. Consider what's holding you back, and then ask the Holy Spirit to increase your love for God's word and prayer. God's greatest desire for your life is that you would behold Jesus and increasingly resemble him. And while we can't know for certain exactly what you will look like in your glorified state, When Jesus returns, I can assure you that you will be beautiful because he is beautiful. Let the truth of this analogy wash over you. If a group of people have always lived in the dark and are told a light is going to be turned on so that they will all be able to see each other for the first time, they may very well object, believing that since a single lamp will be shining the same light on everyone, they will all look identical to each other. But of course, we know that that light would actually bring out their individual distinctiveness. Union with a single Christ is like that. You are given back to your true self. You become the you that you were meant to be. You recover your original identity. You realize that the existence out of Christ was but a shadow of what you were made to be. Your distinctive personality, your you your human individuality was in 2D when you were out of Christ, held back by sin and shame and fear and darkness. And now that you are in Christ, sisters, you are in 3D, free to blossom. In other words, it is only in union with Christ that you can grow into what God made you to be. Sisters, we are all in the process of becoming And becoming who God created you to be is the journey of a lifetime. So let's be women who eagerly behold Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you and we thank you for the startling truth that you loved us, you found us, worthy and delightful and beautiful, even in our sin and our shame, even before we ever began to change or grow. Thank you for that unconditional, self-giving love. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for making Christ beautiful to us. To me, that's that's a brand new prayer to pray. I've never thought of that before, but you do make Christ beautiful. And as You are made more beautiful. We desire to spend more time with you. And in that time with you, we become more like you. Would we be women who are receptive to your work within us? Would you increase our desire to be with you in your word and through prayer that we would go and bear lasting fruit? Fruit not um, born out of striving or in response to overcoming shame, but fruit born out of standing in awe of who you are and just desiring to offer it back to you and to be part of your kingdom. We thank you for such lavish love and grace. May we be women who behold you and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, there are some discussion questions on your screen and then I'll come close us in a little bit. go throughout your week I just encourage you to continue chewing and meditating on what the Lord has for you there might have been a sticking point for you whether it's like Jesus is actually beautiful or wow it's God all of God and all of me it's not one or the other but whatever that little thing was that the Holy Spirit placed in your heart or mind just highlight it put a little star next to it um, allow God's word just to continue to um, mature and saturate your hearts and minds and um Next week, you're going to hear an amazing message from John 15 by Betsy Paul. So a little bit more about resting and abiding and how he is the one that produces fruit in us. Um, but in closing, I just wanted to read to you um, 1 John 3:2. And John writes, um, the beloved disciple. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Jesus is beautiful. You are beautiful. What we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that God creates beautiful things.